Welcome to Dual Win Games Episode 4. On Table Talk, we discuss rule books, the good, bad, and the ugly. We sit down with Dreamcraft Games to talk about their Kickstarter project. We review Architects of the West Kingdom and Anachrony. And we go over our top 10 worker placement games. We are your hosts. Aaron Schmidt. Ryan Gast. Tim Stearns. So, rule books. I want to hear about them. <laughs> I like what, it when they're good. What's good, what's bad, what's ugly? A little sore spot for me. And what, <laughs> what, what, please tell. Is it the rule book? Is it the rule reader? Well, that's, yeah. Column A, column B, let's go with that. <laughs> well, there's some games, you know, even if I'm not that adept at getting rules down, it takes me a couple of plays to really get them down. Some games are actually really good and clear about what is in the game and that might be simpler games like uh photosynthesis i thought had a really decent rule book everything was laid out right there for you the rules themselves are really easy so that's a good one for me yeah it, it everything's laid out clearly and it's just really easy rules in the game in general you know your small tree costs one Middle tree costs two, big tree costs three. Pretty direct. I think the uh, one thing you want to make sure when you're making a rule book is you take people that haven't played the game, know nothing about it, hand them the rule book, and see if they can read it and figure out how to play the game without having too many questions. Um, a lot of those edge cases are an answered so they're not just fumbling around when they're playing the game. So do you think it should be someone that is familiar with games should read the rules and try to set it up and play it or should it, it be someone like you or i that it depends on the type of game if it's like a filler game you know you could give it to any random person right. but if it's a heavier or medium weight game you give it to someone like us or who knows nothing about the game see if they can figure it out you have them figure it out from the rule book that you have written and if they're having a lot of issues you know there's a problem where i think a lot of games they take just the in-house development team, and they already are familiar with how the game works, yeah, so they don't catch a lot of those snags and rule books that people complain about online. Where, oh, this is an answer. Or, how does that work? Right. Some uh, some good ones for me. Some heavier games that I felt had some good rule books. Uh, Mombasa and Great Western Trail. They had the same layout, but like there's a lot going on in those games, especially Great Western Trail. There's just so many mechanics happening. But when I was reading through the rulebook, it just all flowed so well. And I like had no problem understanding it. And I felt comfortable being able to teach it right away. Dominant Species, that had a really good rulebook. I've screwed up a couple rules in that game. We played a few games with a wrong rule. But that was my fault, not the rulebook's fault. It does a very good job. It's clear and it's short for such a heavier, longer game. Through the Ages had an excellent rule book. Um, you read through it. There's like two rule books. You read through them both. But the second one, you look up anything you need to know, it's in there. And it just gives the index in the back, you know. I think, too, Stonemeyer Games, all their rule books are really good. Concordia, that's a medium weight game. It's such a short, good rule book. And I think it always helps to have like a reference page on the back of the rulebook, whether it's an iconography chart 
or a turn overview or both, that really, yeah, really those are, helps a lot. Those are big. Most definitely. And like a player aid or something, too, is nice. Yeah. yeah. You're wasting space if you don't put that on the back. Yeah. So, a good one for me, and it was a game that I picked up and I was a little intimidated by it. A lot of pieces, a lot of spots to put your workers. That's a feast for Odin. So for the longest time, it was just on my shelf, and I wasn't. I finally punched it, waited a couple weeks, finally looked at the rule book, and there's like three rule books in it. There's the main rule book, which was it's always depressing when you get that. Yeah, you and look, it's, it's like oh, oh no, it's <laughs> I gotta it's, read a novel. It's gonna be work now, and you know, <laughs> but you know, once I started reading through it. And it's, it had great pictures. It showed how everything flowed together. So even though the rule book was thicker, it laid it out really well. So I could easily read through it. And they got to have pictures. When these games, they don't have a picture of a setup. And like you're first learning the game, trying to read the setup, and they don't have a picture yeah. for how to set the game. It's like, really? Yeah. yeah. So or that, just other. That's a good segue into my ugly rule books. <laughs> Is, I should have you read uh, Caverna for me because I've tried to read that rule book like two or three times, and I just I check out after like oh, four really? or five pages. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll check it out. So to get back on track, my ugly is most GMT rule books, GMT games rule books. They're really text heavy. They don't have a lot of pictures. They're kind of land if you if you've ever read through a gmt game rule book you kind of it they're harder to read yeah through. like dominant it's not their typical game it's like a euro e-war game so like that one was easy for me to read mm-hmm. but a couple of the other ones i look at it i'm just like i don't want to learn this game <laughs> you know and, it, and it's not that they're bad that's why i'm saying they're ugly yeah. Because you look in it, okay, it always breaks it down where rule four, and then you got like 4.4, yeah. point, or 4.1, 4.2, and then like it breaks it down. So, yeah, it's helpful, but when you look at it and you're trying to find something, sometimes it can be hard to find. They do reference it. Yeah, they do a really good job. You can find what you need to find, I think. It's just... It looks so boring. It's not natural. It's just, it's hard to read. Yeah. Type of thing. I think the payoff is typically worth it. I've liked most GMT games that I've played, but again, that's why it falls under my ugly. Mm. My bad, and I don't know if you're going to mention it or not, but um, the Gaia Project. That, I don't know if it was just, Maybe it's not that bad of a rule book, but I just could not wrap my head around some of the stuff going on. Now, I did not and still have not played um, Terra Mystica. So I didn't have that to kind of lean on to. I just dove right into Gaia Project. And we played a game, you and I, Ryan, mm-hmm. a couple months back. And it was pretty much, I was just reading through the rule book over and over again trying to figure things out and it was just you're trying to figure it out and then i would have questions and it's it's never fun with your first play of something when your nose is just it's not fun for the other people at the table or you because you're feeling like oh i'm giving them a bad representation of the game they're not having any fun right so i i i really do feel like i'm gonna like that game but it was just it was hard to get into 
now after playing it a first time, I have a better understanding of how things kind of work together. So I'm working on rereading it, and then maybe I'll just set it up and play a little solo yeah. and work my way through it that way. But uh, That's a good thing to do, too, is either solo or you and me, Tim, a lot of times we'll just get together if there's a heavier game we want to try out just to play a little, like, just a learning game, basically, mm-hmm. so we can get it down. And then you go back and read through that rule book, and it might become a lot easier for yeah. you to read. Some bad ones for me are uh, Robinson Crusoe. It took me... It's just, you. the read of it isn't that bad, but when you want to look up rules, they're not, they're so hard to find. And some things that come up during gameplay aren't in there as well. Now I have a cheat sheet that I printed off from Board Game Geek, which has a turn, overview, and reference, and makes it super smooth to play now, and I've played it so many times, but I shouldn't need to use that. Yeah, it's always frustrating when you actually have to go out and seek more information online to print mm-hmm. off help cheat sheets, you know? Yeah. yeah, I've definitely found that in some games. In Cry Havoc, I did not like that rule book. It's an easy read, but there's so many rules, ambiguities that happen during gameplay, and they're not covered. At all. Yeah, like, <laughs> you have to go look in the forums or a board game geek, or just, it's like, why do I have to do this in order to play this? Like, the game comes to a halt, and you have to figure something out. It's like when I played First Martians for the first time, and Ryan, you asked me like the next day what I thought of it. I was like, <laughs> I have no idea. Cause <laughs> I don't know what I think. Ninety percent of the game, I was in the rule book. Yeah, and it, it's not enjoyable for you or the other people at the table that way. Right. Um, some ugly ones for me. Um, Camel up. Rule book is easy to understand and read. <laughs> it's how yeah. like you unfold it. Oh, yeah. It's not actually pages that you turn like a normal, like a book. It's, I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, but the worst one, and it's comical, is Jamaica. <laughs> like, it folds out into a treasure map. <laughs> and you put this, what are you put, supposed to put this on your wall? And like, It's terrible. It's the worst, <laughs> stupidest, gimmicky idea I've ever seen. It's <laughs> awful. And it's, and it's a super easy, light game, and it's like, why? What guy thought, hey... Yep, that's a good idea. Let's do this. <laughs> I've never noticed a gimmicky rule that's, before. That's, that's gimmicky. It's yeah, awful. That, that is it's really, like yeah. the dumbest, just I've seen like garbage. fold-out pamphlet games, you know. I hate that. Yeah, yeah, like Hive is like that. It's a fold-out little pamphlet thing, but there's yeah. not a lot going on in that no game. No treasure map rule. No treasure map. The best part is you like you explain the rules okay and then we had a question about it so you had to like unfold this big sheet and we can't even see you yeah. behind it yeah, i'm folding this out it's like where did he go <laughs> don't don't be don't try to be cute just give us the rules yeah. well i mean generally speaking about rule books any rule book that has all of these things that come up in the game that aren't explained in the rules that is a bad rule book to me like um by rather dashing games element uh that quick abstract strategy two to four players i really like it best at two but that has so many situations that are not covered in the rule book i had to like go watch the video and find out for sure and so that would be a bad one for me i suppose the the game's got to be good for the rule book to be good, right? Because mm-hmm. I could say Hans Tatanica has a bad rule book <laughs> because it's just a bad game. Well, you know? 
I mean, I could say the same for Thunder Alley. You've, right. never, you've never seen the rule book, so. You've never seen the Hansa rule book. I don't need Hansa, to. great, great game, great rule book. I don't need to see the Thunder Alley rule book. <laughs> I think I burned it when Tim wasn't looking. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Tim here, and I'm sitting down with Dreamcraft Games today to talk about their Kickstarter game, Theosis, and I'm here with the designer of the game. Welcome. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, a bit fine, okay. It was a bit ill, but fine, fine. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so um, why don't we start off talking about uh, your game, Theosis. So how does, um, what is, I guess, the theme of the game? What, how does the gameplay work? Uh, tell us a little well, bit about that. First of all, the theme of the game. In uh, the game of Theosis, you are possible uh, deity. You are actually someone who wants to become a deity. So in order to become a god, you have to go through some trials, which are basically, it's determined in uh, the ancient arena of the gods. So what you do is you select some heroes, you guide them, you give them powers, you give them quests, you empower them, and after that, they just go into the arena and find them among the heroes of the other possible gods, and uh, whoever wins at the end is the one who becomes the god. That's the main theme of the game in the competitive mode. In the co-op mode of the game, basically you, your heroes enter the arena and fight against monsters. So this is the main theme of the game. How this translates now to mechanics or into gameplay, uh, basically is uh, split it in two, two parts. The first part is the worker placement part, where you get your heroes and you actually assign them into locations of Hierapolis. Hierapolis is the main town where everything goes, uh, where everything is happening. So you assign them to quests and you assign them to go and get uh, gain loot and gain gold. And then uh, you spend the gold to equip them with weapons. You unlock rituals, and uh, you might visit the Thieves Guild. Uh, you venture into the uh, Maid's Tower. You go to the Cathedral for mana, and you prepare as the best that you can for the upcoming battle. Cool. Yeah. So I... that's the first part. The second part is the skirmish part, where in the arena you fight amongst each other. Yeah, that's what I found interesting about the game when I first heard about it. You know, that the first half of the game is is basically worker placement, you know, building your character up, building up your hero, and then you're putting them out there to to fight either each other or you, you'd said there's actually a cooperative mode where you... And solo mode, where you can play against monsters. Okay, okay. I saw that there were some boss monsters that were unlocked during the uh, first Kickstarter campaign and the one coming up. So that's those are the bosses that you fight, or are there exactly. some others? Those are the boss monsters. Okay. So I guess back to the heroes. Um, I saw, were there 12 heroes? Is that correct? Yes, uh, there are 12 heroes, but actually you have 24 heroes. Let me explain. We have, we have 12 unique miniatures. So you have a hero pad for each one of them with uh, unique uh, abilities and skills. But uh, each hero pad is double-sided. So you can turn that side and get the other aspect of the hero. So, for example, uh, if, you try, if you want to play the elemental witch, you might go for her as a pyromancer, where you have all the skills with, who she attacks with fire, ring of fire, and things like that. Or you can turn 
the hero pad and use her as the aquamancer, having more of uh, Iceland's abilities and other abilities that has to do with ice and cold. So actually there are two versions of each heroes. So we have uh, 24 possible heroes there. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's always good to get more. It, it was not already, I have to be honest, during the Kickstarter, one of our bikers suggested it. So we thought it was a great idea and it took us some time to incorporate it into the game, but now it is uh, inside. So it was an improvement that uh, came from our bikers, not from us. Very cool. Uh, so after the worker placement phase, you have the combat phase. So how does that work? Each hero has a certain set movement and how they battle or how, how exactly does that work? Well, uh, there are different things that you can do in the arena. Uh, first of all, it's a deity has granted some powers. These powers are actually cards. When you use your heroes in the first phase of the game, the worker placement phase, and you do some quests, each quest might gain, uh, might give to the hero some gold and some loot, but also gives to you, the possible deity, some powers. For example, if I put them on a Warmonger quest, I might get the Warmonger power of Fireball. So I'm inside the combat now. A hero might just charge and use one of his skills. Or maybe I can say to him, uh, just wait there and uh, we'll use the fireball. So it's a combination of powers that you both as a god and your heroes in the arena are using. You had said um, you can send your heroes on quests. So how many different quests are there in the game? There are six you? different types of quests that has to do with the alignment of uh, the god that you are trying to become. For example, if you select the warmongery pathway, you select more powers that has to do with warm or destructive powers. On the opposite side of that, you can be a more peaceful kind of god, a guardian god, where you have more protective powers. You can select to be a deceitful god or a righteous one. You can be uh, merciful or vengeful. It's all the alignment choices that are gods in mythology had so uh, when you become a god you have to select what kind of god you will become and the powers you gain will be accordingly to this also this will influence the alignment of the world for example if uh, uh, i'm a right if i choose rightful heroes for example the paladin he will not be very powerful in the arena if most of the missions most of the quests that have been done during the game are deceitful quests. So if judgment was not applied to the world, the paladin inside the arena will be more weak. If, however, as a god, you manage to overcome your other opponents who might have tried to become more uh, deceitful, then you will have the advantage and you will be your heroes will have the upper hand in the arena. So you get actually a bonus on depending the element that you want to have your heroes actually have from their nature, for example, as a paladin or as a succubus, and uh, what happens actually to the game. That sounds really cool how you get, you basically have 24 heroes, but then also you have six different quests you can send them on, so that, I mean, the replayability and the variety seems to be, I mean. Each game is a completely different game, believe me. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. So when it, uh, when it gets into the arena, they're, I guess there is some player elimination at that point, or how often do you see actually a player get eliminated during that part? Well, there, there is player elimination, 
clearly there is. Yep. But things have shown practically, because we have been playtesting for about two years this game, uh, is that uh, player elimination only comes, if it comes, till the end. For example, in the arena, the, uh, you don't usually end up alone. Uh, it's a really, really very uh, not often thing to happen. Usually, what happens is that there are a few heroes from each player. The winner always is whoever manages to hold the center tile of the arena at the end of the ninth round. That yeah. means that you don't have to actually kill everyone. You just have to be on the center tile in the ninth round. Now, there is a lot of heroes where, where you, when uh, someone goes, and play, uh, goes into the arena, he doesn't go with only one hero. He has a, a fellowship of three heroes. So one of them must, might, might die. Two of them most probably will die, but not always the third one will die. And this also is the case because if, uh, for example, we are three players and you have three heroes, I have one hero and the other guy has two heroes, you will always target the second one who is the not the weakest player, but the second uh, player with power uh, after you in order to secure your first place. Therefore, if I only have one hero, people will not target me as because I'm not a threat to them, as much threat as another player is. So practically, yes, there can be player elimination, but it is not very common. Okay. So do you start um, the game with just one hero, or do you gain heroes over time, or how does that work? Well, it has to do with replayability, because we have uh, 12 heroes, times two, that's 24. So each game starts with drafting heroes. I get to choose one, you get to choose another one, and the third guy tends to choose uh, the third uh, hero. So if we're two to six players in the competitive mode always, then we just pick up in turns. So each uh, game starts with a different composition of a team because of the drafting. Okay. Then again, you have the quest which will grant different powers to the hero. So that's again, it's actually a small drafting phase for cards because you draft the cards uh, depending on the quest. So each play, each game is actually really, really different. So you said in the competitive game, you can either eliminate each other or if you hold the center tile after a set number of rounds. So how does the how does the cooperative or the solo game work when fighting a boss? Is it kind of the same concept or do you just have to work together to destroy that boss? Well, uh, in the co-op and solo mode, uh, we also have a semi-co-op where uh, you gain points depending on how much damage you inflicted on the monster. So if everyone kills the monster, uh, everyone won, but the true winner is the one who inflicted the most damage. In the fully co-op mode or solo mode, what you have to do is manage to destroy the monster before the nine rounds. Now, this is not always that easy. At the same time, you have to survive until then. So you have to have a mix of DPS damage and protective tank uh, heroes, to call them like that so everyone can understand, in, in order to be able to survive the attacks of the monster and at the same time manage to inflict enough damage to kill it before the time ends. So that's about it. What was uh, what was some of your inspiration to uh, to design and create this game? Well, I loved uh, board games uh, for years, and uh, I, I loved designing board games. 
but however my true initial love is uh, role-playing games. So it might surprise you, but role-playing role games is my true inspiration because what we wanted to do is we were playing different kinds of role-playing as in uh, Baba the Masquerade or uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So what we would like to do with our fellowship is uh, after about a year of uh, leveling up our characters and gearing up and everything, we wanted to gather all together and enter the arena and fight amongst each other. So what I thought is that will be a great game to have in our tabletop game where it doesn't take you so much time to level up and gain items and gain abilities and learn new spells, where you have just a half an hour to prepare yourself and then enter that same arena and play against each other. So actually inspiration was through Dungeons and Dragons. So your original base game, it, it did run on Kickstarter and it was a successful Kickstarter. So how do you feel that Kickstarter went? Uh, did it go as well as you thought it would or, or kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, I am very, very grateful that we got uh, uh, funded and uh, I really thank all our backers. Uh, I have no words to say how grateful I am for uh, everyone. Uh, they really astonished us how, how well they, uh, they supported us. However, uh, the time of uh, when we went to the air, I think it was wrong because it was on July and uh, July is one of the most weak months of the year. And it was just after one day that we went to air where uh, even Death May Die came out from Simon and they actually hit a million. It was some, I think it, took, it went to two millions in one day, something like crazy like that. And uh, that actually uh, hold us a lot of down. Now, I know that uh, I don't want to be ungrateful. I think that I'm really happy that we got funded and everything. But I think that there are a lot of people who kept sending us messages and said, can you please postpone it or do it another date or when is the pledge manager going to open? Because we want to support the game, but we cannot do it this month. Some of them were on vacation. Some others were not into buying board games in July, which is a really low month for Kickstarters. So we thought, okay, we might as well go for the pledge manager later on. But uh, until then, we tried to incorporate all this advice that our backers gave us, for example, the dual site for the heroes, and also some new weapons, some new artifacts, some new armors, some new powers for the cards. And we thought that all this is actually a mini expansion. Why not go again, uh, again to Kickstarter? We put all this uh, material into the game with a really, really low cost. Maybe we can throw on again another big boss because, you know, I'm from Dungeons and Dragons, I love dragons, so I really want the dragon miniature <laughs> up there. And uh, we give also Theosis another shot. We'll see if it can be, uh, if it has a better chance in gaining some uh, more funding. We have Theosis already in production. We are working with study games and we have, uh, all the photos from the prototypes and everything. And it is actually now in production. So we will give Theosis to our bakers on uh, this summer, but the order, the magnitude of the order of Theosis can be arranged. So if we add some more pieces of Theosis, every, everything can be uh, shipped into the initial order. That means someone who will back us now in February, he might get the game on summer, on this summer, which is really cool, it will be really fast. So that was the actual thinking behind everything. Um, so are you looking at this as kind of a relaunch of that Kickstarter campaign or is it 
mostly for the expansion itself. So it's not actually relaunching. We're getting the uh, expansion, the mini expansion out there, and we're giving Theosis a second chance for whoever missed it and wants to try to get hold of it this time. Okay. So what, what would the price point be of, uh, of getting the base game this time around? Is kind of the same? It's going to be exactly the same. It's going to be exactly the same as last time. Okay. And the price for the expansion is going to be $9. Are you looking at being at any other uh, conventions in the near future? Or where can people, yeah. uh, where can people find you and, and try the game out? We, we are in Europe. The company is in Germany and half of us live in Germany, half of us live in uh, Greece. So uh, we went to Essen this year and we had a booth and uh, it was amazing. We had a great time. A lot of backers came and meet us. Uh, we offered them beer. We had a great time with them. Uh, Tom Vassell stepped by. It was really, really incredible. And the uh, next uh, convention we are going for sure is uh, the Birmingham one, the UK Expo convention. Oh. Uh, uh, as far as uh, USA, is, is, it's a little bit far from us and we don't still have the funds to do something like that. But one day, who knows, we might be able to come also to USA. Yeah. It's a dream of ours. Yeah, very cool. That I guess those are the big questions I had. Do you have anything else um, that you want to add before we, uh, before we go? Well, I would like to thank from here all of our bikers who uh, supported us initially in the first place and made uh, Theosis... Uh, be a, something realistic and I'm inviting everyone who wants to have a look at Theosis to see if it's something that they will enjoy because I think it's a really fun game it's a fast game, it has action the competitive mode has a lot of take that, it's going to be a real blast in playing with friends and the co-mode is really quite interesting the bosses are really too difficult to beat however, I have to say <laughs> well you don't want them too easy no, 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 no. It has to be challenging. Yeah, right. Got to bring people back. So, yeah, best of luck with everything. Uh, best of luck with the Kickstarter and then anything after. So, thanks again for joining us. Really, thank you, Tim. Thanks a lot. If you are interested in Theosis, be sure to check out their Kickstarter running from February 12th through the 19th, 2019. You can also visit their Facebook page and their website. Just look for Dreamcraft Games. All right, listeners, we have an exciting announcement today. And to help me make that exciting announcement, I am joined by a very special guest. My name is Dominic Stearns, and we are the Stearns family. Dominic Stearns, and how old are you, Dominic? Almost six. Almost six. So, what is the exciting announcement? You're doing a game giveaway? A game giveaway? Yes. Not just one game giveaway. We're doing two. Two game giveaways. Yes, we're doing two game giveaways. The first is if we reach 150 likes on our Dual Win Game Facebook page. Yes. By Friday, February 22nd, we will give away a game of your choice from a list that we have selected. Yes. All you need to do is like our page on Facebook and you'll be entered into our contest. So tell your friends to like us so that we reach 150 likes. What's the second way people can join our giveaway? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Would it be something to do with our brand new board game Geek Guild? Yes! Yes! 
So we're also holding a contest on Board Game Geek. If yeah. our new Board Game Geek Guild reaches 100 members by Friday, yes. March 8th, we'll also give away a game to one of our guild members. To join the guild and to be entered in the contest, go to boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3471. That is boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3471. So tell your geek buddies to join our guild so we can reach 100 members and give away a free game. Yes. You can see the list posted on our guild form. If we reach our goal, the winner will be selected. We will post the announcement and also private message you. Yes. To get your selection and your shipping information. Unfortunately, due to costs, this is only for people within the continental United States. Yes. Hopefully, in the future, we can do a worldwide. Yes. Yes. Now, most of the games are used, but they're in good condition, so please keep that in mind. So thanks for joining me, Dominic. Bye. Bye. It is now time for our review of Anachrony. Anachrony is designed by David Trucci, Richard Amon, and Victor Peter, and published by Mindclash Games in 2017. Plays 1 to 4 players in 30 to 120 minutes. Anachrony is a competitive worker placement game set in the future, where each player plays an ideological group or path in the aftermath of a mysterious, catastrophic explosion. Your goal is to have the most victory points at the end of the game. During the game, players' paths will be sending their workers to do different tasks. They may send them out in large mechanical exosuits that protect them from the environment to mine for resources or use those resources to erect buildings or super projects for their path. New workers might need recruiting. Scientists may research to obtain breakthroughs in science. They may also just need these workers to travel into the harsh environment to collect water or trade with the nomads to quickly acquire the necessary supplies. Some workers may stay out of the environment to take actions on the buildings in their home area. In Anachrony, players will have the opportunity to warp to the future to obtain assets they need now. If this is done too much, though, they will obtain paradoxes and might eventually lead to an anomaly, which is a strange and dangerous fault in the fabric of time. The game will end at the end of the seventh round, or at the end of round five or six if enough action spots have been claimed on the main board. Points are tallied in a variety of ways, and the path with the most points becomes the new seat of the World Council, and thus wins the game. So what would you have to say about the component quality and artwork? I really enjoy it. The artwork is a little different, but it's a good different for me. I like the colors a lot in the game. Like it really just brings me in, and the uh, components are great, and the exosuits are incredible. Um, you actually get those with uh, expansion. Otherwise, you just have the regular tokens. Mm. But I just I really like the artwork in the game, the component quality. I also enjoy the artwork. I almost wish that the to me, the board almost looks too busy. Like, there's a lot of spaces going on. There's, they're kind of big hexes that you put your suits on. So it almost takes away from some of that artwork. So I, I wish it was kind of... Uh, I, I'm not even sure how I wish it was done. But if the artwork came through a little bit more, if that makes sense. 
I, I really like the dull, like muted, like purples and whatnot of the board. And it's got that white kind of background to it. It just like pops for me. And I don't think that the um, action spaces necessarily take away from that. Uh, they almost kind of fit for me. It looks like circuitry over like this dead world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the spots make sense. Mm-hmm. You know how, you know, if you do an action higher on the board, how it kind of trickles down and it, it does make sense. But what I'm saying is that it's, it's too, too much. I get what, I get yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. No, I, I just really like it. But yeah, it's, yeah I, I mean, I mentioned it a few episodes ago, but, um, about my kind of thought about the mechs almost being overproduced where mm-hmm. all you do is slip your token in and put it on the board. Um, they look awesome, but, you know, they don't, their only purpose is to set your action. Yeah, it just brings the theme in that much more, though. Yeah. When I play. Speaking of the theme, how strong is it for you? Uh, for me, it's very strong, especially for like a uh, worker placement games, typically aren't the strongest, you know, themes. So mm-hmm. for me, it's one of the stronger worker placement game themes. I really like the idea of the game, like, you're getting supplies from your future self, you're traveling back in time to repay those, they're basically loans, um, you have the morale of your people, it's just, you're, you're doing research, sometimes these scientists or people might die, I, I really like the theme, in case you can't tell. <laughs> I really like the theme as well. I like that you, uh, like, one of the main currencies is water, which in, like, a, you know, apocalypse, a catastrophic explosion kind of event, water is going to be a high demand. Mm-hmm. And so the theme just, uh, I like it a lot. I love the traveling back in time. You know, you got to build these buildings to actually travel back in time, and oftentimes you got to, like, use a scientist or something to do that to pay off your debts, and I really like that. It's a good theme for me. I thought the theme was okay. I'll be that guy. Go against the grain. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I did like how certain action spaces you could only use certain people or maybe they'd give you a better benefit but i really didn't feel like okay i'm sending my scientist here to give me that it was just kind of okay i'm that's all i'm doing i'm just taking a guy and putting him there I, it didn't really come across why i was doing a certain thing hmm. other than the um what i was doing quite a bit in our last game was the exploration i saw that where okay it's i'm going and exploring the adventuring. Yeah. The adventuring. Yeah, that was one of the expansion things you can use. Okay. So I somewhat felt like I was doing that, you know, going out and finding different stuff with my suit. And I'm bringing, you made me find a hanger or something and I got different goods or whatever. So as far as theme, I felt that a little more than the original board. What, uh, what do you think about the gameplay then? I think the gameplay is pretty good. I do enjoy it. Um, like I said prior, certain action spaces might give you a benefit when you put your guy out there. The The last game we played, it did fall flat for me. Even though I enjoyed it, I didn't enjoy it as much as I had prior. 
Hmm. So I went pretty hard for the exploration, for the adventuring. And early in the game, I built myself up to do that. I was doing a lot of actions where I could add stuff to my suit so I would have higher power going out. And late in the game, I felt like I wasn't getting a benefit as much as I was hoping for. So I built myself up that whole game, and it was just kind of like, it kind of yeah, fell you apart. Up for just, that. I think it's adventuring is kind of like you don't know what you're going to get. You know, yeah. when you take the action, I think that's which the I, hard part with it. Which I get with adventuring. You never know what you're going to find. You know, there's always a mystery out there. Right. But I, I don't remember my score, but I think I was like in the twenties. Well, yeah, was like you guys said more than that, but you guys, we were four player game. You guys did so poorly. <laughs> yeah, the three of us. And I played. did so well. And I could tell, like, turn two, oh, yeah. I was going to do really good that game. And then you guys all struggled. So I could definitely tell, like, you guys, I, I felt bad for doing so good. <laughs> yeah, so the whole time, because I could see that too. It was like, well, maybe I'll get lucky exploring and I'll hit the jackpot somewhere. You know, I'll hit a little lottery ticket of future path, whatever. But it never paid off, and it was like, well, why am I even doing this? So I think next time we play, I don't know if I'd even go for exploration. Mm. Because it, there was, I didn't see any payoff at all. I think you definitely need to get uh, your engine going right away. You need to get some good buildings to get the resources, water, or power, whatever you need. I think you need to get that turn one or turn two, I think. So how do you almost balance that? Because normally each faction... They are geared specifically towards certain buildings. So mine, I needed three or four water buildings. So you just, what, you what just would don't you evacuate then? You just score in other ways. You can score with your morale being high, your time travel. You can score the buildings or super projects give you points. Mm -hmm. It just all depends. I mean, for me, I'm sure you guys can tell by now. I love the game. Mm -hmm. um, I love the two-tiered worker placement in it. You have workers in your player board that are in your city where you don't need the exosuits. You're protected. You have your workers in the exosuits out on the main board. There's different types of workers. They give you benefits and restrictions. I love all that. More games should do that, I feel. Um, the time tra travel aspect, it's there, and I like the idea of it. It's cool. Um, I do like loans, but I like that. It's not like a super heavy complex but it's in the game um i enjoy the pre-planning and how many exosuits you need to power up that might be a negative for some people you really got to think before you power up your exosuits like how many do i really need this round um it's one of those games i played and the first few times i played and always felt i should like it more than i did i enjoyed it but i always would think a lot about it and i'd be like i love the theme I love the components. I like the stuff. And I just doesn't... I don't enjoy it as much as I think I should. And then the last few times I played it, and I played it a few times in succession, and I just really understood how to play the game better, I think, because I just played it more often. And it really just rocketed up for me. Hmm. Yeah, we could really tell that you had played <laughs> quite a bit recently. Because... <laughs> You know, you had mentioned don't evacuate. Yeah. So I was planning on evacuating. I mean, and you, you can't. It's just... Well, 
So what happened was you evacuated before I could, and you're like, oh, I'm going to score like 27 points. And I'm looking at my own like, ah, I've got like eight points. <laughs> I guess I'll evacuate too because I can. Well, that was my thing. You know, you talk about efficiency. How many exosuits do I really need out? And in our last play, I was really trying to do that. Like, I don't have to refresh my workers this round. I can stand to lose that little bit of morale by forcing work and only send out three exosuits. And But with my... Um, evacuation condition for me it came down to dice rolls like i was taking loans every every single age yeah. and having to go back and pay them off and roll for um paradoxes, paradoxes cuz i needed to get two anomalies and i just couldn't roll paradoxes and that was my like evacuation condition so i was just like screwed by the dice in that situation i still had fun playing it and there was a lot of choices that i made and i felt that efficiency i think I was, I wasn't last. I remember that. But, oh, I was. <laughs> I know. I know. I was. But I, I could. I started to kind of see the game in a different light. Uh, it was a little easier to understand. I think my next time I'll have a little bit better time uh, making the right calls at the right times. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's definitely. It's one of the heavier or heaviest worker placement games that I've played. Hmm. There's a lot going on, and for me, like figuring it out and doing well in certain aspects really made me feel clever. Like the game did a good job of making me feel smarter than I really am. <laughs> um, some of the cons, and I get what you guys are saying, especially you, Tim. Um, if you don't plan well, especially early on, you're going to do poorly in the game. The iconography is good, but there's so much of it that it can take you a while to get used to. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those games, I don't think, either, that you can play once a year or every, like, nine months and just call it good. You need to play it a little more hmm. often. All right, so what, uh, Ryan, you being the biggest fan of this, what, <laughs> what what's your rating of it? I would give it a nine. It's uh, real close to being one of my top ten games that it might even, it's just... Scrape, scraping at the door there. Oof. Don't give away too much, because later we're doing our top ten worker placement. <laughs> That's going to be up so there. You, <laughs> <laughs> you can't pick it ten times. <laughs> I'm just saying. Tim? Uh, so for me, um, I wish I could get into this theme and actually go back in time. Mm. Because my rating was higher before we played it last time. When you were sense. better at the game, you liked when, it more. Yeah, when... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to sound like that guy that, you know... No, I, I know what you mean, though. I can enjoy a game and still get crushed. And I do enjoy this game. But I, I think it has a few issues that I mentioned earlier. So I would rate it probably like a six and a half right now. Hmm. See, everything in this game is kind of going... Goes with each each other so well everything in the game acts cohesively and for the, me the theme the gameplay and everything is solid i would give it an eight and with more plays i think that number would go up yeah the first few times i played it it was probably like you know, seven and a half eight i really liked it but i just always thought i feel like i should like it more mm -hmm. but i can definitely see your point though Tim. i i always get that feeling too when i'm playing it like okay i feel like i should like it more after we played it last time it's like i got crushed you know we got mm -hmm. this and that 
I feel like I should like it more, but I just every time I play it, I just don't feel like I like it more than I do. If that makes yeah. any we'll sense, we'll have to try it relatively soon. Just yeah, to see yeah. I feel like it's one of those games that you can't put all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. You got to branch out and do multiple things. So that wraps up our review of Anachrony. So let's move on to our review of Architects of the West Kingdom. Architects of the West Kingdom is designed by Shem Phillips and Sam McDonald. It's published by Renegade Game Studios in 2018 and plays 1 to 5 players in 60 to 80 minutes. Architects of the West Kingdom is a competitive worker placement game where players take on the roles of architects competing to impress the king to maintain their noble status. The goal is to have the most victory points at game end. During the game, players will be hiring apprentices and collecting raw materials to construct various buildings or to advance work on the cathedral to impress the king. Players may also recruit locals to capture workers of rival architects to slow their progress. Throughout the game, you will also be judged on your virtue. Do you make a few shady dealings to get extra rewards now and worry about the consequences later? Or do you represent the true nature of morality and make honest work and reap the benefits at game end? The game will end after a set number of constructions have been completed. Victory points will be tallied, and the architect with the most victory points is the winner. Let's get to our final thoughts. So what do you guys think about the component quality and artwork in this one? I love the artwork. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he also goes by the Miko, I believe. Mm. Uh, it's cartoony, zany. It's really cool. Colorful. I think the player boards could have been a little thicker. Yes. That's really my only complaint, though. The rest of it's... And you have the upgraded coins, which is always great. Right. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that's my biggest problem, is the player boards. They're just like little flimsy cardstock. Yeah. So... If they went one layer thick, more... Yeah, you know, just thicker of yeah, cardboard. Put them together. That would have been great. Yeah. But other than that, I, I really enjoy the artwork. I always... I think it's interesting, too. You know, when you bring this game out, it's such a small box. Right, yeah. yeah. And you open it up, and there's so much in it. Like the bowl, the board folds out yep. to a full size board. It's like, whoa, this is actually a. It's it's an interesting. Yeah, I remember kind the first time on. Aaron showed me. I couldn't believe it. It's like, wait, <laughs> that game packs in there. Yeah, it's a lot of game. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of game in a little box. Definitely. Um, even without like the upgraded coins, the original coins that came with it that I punched out were actually pretty decent for like a cardboard coin. Mm -hmm. um, and I like you know they throw the little. Instead of just broad cubes, they have actual shaped resources. Yeah, that's that's a that's a, a positive for me. Yeah, I always like that when that each resource you can tell right just yeah. by looking at it and they match the card art too. Yep. so it's not just by color. You right. Know? Yeah. So what about uh, the theme? How strong is it for you? Um, <laughs> your uh, bill. You're the architects working for the king. <laughs> not crazy. I mean, I've played more themeless games. I mean, yeah. you have like the the capture mechanic, the cathedral, the virtue track. You know, so there's a little bit there, but eh, doesn't yeah, really come through at all. Yeah, it's not really there. You know, you're you're collecting resources. You're putting your guys out. You're somewhat set collecting with your apprentice mm -hmm. when you're getting those guys and you're bringing them out and you're you can kind of combo those together. So theme wise. You don't not, feel like you're no, building a kingdom. No, I don't feel no. like I'm... No. I'm not really contributing to this cathedral. I'm just racing you to the top of that yeah. track. Right. But that being said, the gameplay, I think, is just great. It's... Uh, 
for that worker placement, you're going out and capturing other people's workers. And the virtue track is really interesting to me, how you get so shady you can no longer build in the cathedral. And it's got a lot of a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, for me it's uh it's kinda like going to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me here. All right. Everyone's been telling me how good this movie is. <laughs> I go to see it at the theater. It starts a little slow, but I'm enjoying it. And just as it really gets going and things are really clicking, the movie suddenly ends. <laughs> I don't know why it needed to end so suddenly, and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And to top it all off, I didn't get to finish my popcorn. <laughs> okay. Um, so what's your popcorn? Is that the cathedral? <laughs> <laughs> I do like the game. Um, I like the virtue track. That's really cool. You know, both both ways on that. The capture mechanic, I really enjoyed that. It's a different way. How they did the worker placement in this game is different, unique, and fun. Um, the cathedral I enjoy, like the race to the top of the cathedral. The problem I have, and this could just be, I'm not good at the game, but it just ends too soon for me. I feel like I'm doing something, I'm finally starting to collect some stuff, and the, this the game ends. You know, I, I get to do some stuff, there's just more I want to accomplish. In some games, that's a good thing. You don't want to accomplish everything, but I just feel like I really don't get to do much. You can see it coming, though. Cause no, I every, can, you can see the end coming. It's just, it just ends, and it's just kind of like, well, okay. I don't think about the game after I'm done playing it, but I still do enjoy the game while I'm playing It's a weird thing. So for me, this game's like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> just get over it. <laughs> I, I get my popcorn, I snuggle in, and I love it. I don't know what else to say. I, I really like the the worker placement. You start off with all your workers. You put them out there. You know, as you're, you're building your sets of helpers or uh, apprentices. apprentices. So you're, you're getting your sets of apprentices, you know, building your buildings in your hand, which is another thing I like is at the start, you draft your buildings. Mm-hmm. So that kind of helps shake it up a little bit. You're not just stuck with your starting hand. You get to kind of pick it out. So you're kind of going through. You're building your buildings. You're building the cathedral. I really like the track, the virtue track on the side. You know, you can do a bunch of shady stuff during the game, and then you can't build the cathedral, but then you can skip out on taxes. Mm-hmm. But it might hurt you later because it's negative points. Or you can work your way up. You can build on the cathedral, and you can gain, you can score victory points at the end. So everything, for me, really flows well. I like how the workers, when you put them out, you keep stacking. So the more workers you have, the more good you're going to get. Or maybe instead of getting a bunch of, what is it, clay? Instead bricks. of getting clay or bricks, you get gold. Yeah. Because you had enough workers there. So I like that mechanic. And then if you're getting out of hand, someone can snatch your guys up. And then throw them in a jail. Yeah, the capture mechanic in this game is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. And there's kind of ways to get around that, too. You know, you can, if someone captures your your guys before they get to prison, you can go to that guard house and actually break them out. Or maybe you can build a building that can free them. Mm-hmm. So there's cool combos there, too. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie for me. <laughs> yeah, now touching on what you said, Ryan, about it 
seeming like it was over quickly. I think that my favorite play has been when we had all five players the first time that we all yeah. had played it. Um, I played with four, and then actually Tim and I played just the two of us, and that was like over less than an hour, like 40 minutes even. It was just over so quickly. And that's a good thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And I enjoy that too in a lot of games. But I think that it shines with five. For me, my final rating of this game would be a nine. It takes a lot of things that I like from games, like the set collecting and the worker, the unique worker placement that I haven't seen anywhere else. And I really like the um, player abilities. If you play on the flip side of the player board, how everyone is unique and they get their own little special abilities. It's just got a lot of things that I like in games all meshed into one and some new unique things that are brought to the table. Yeah, I, I actually agree with Aaron. My rating would be a nine. It does, just like you said, you, it brings unique things out. Um, what Ryan said about it ending abruptly, I don't know if I've seen that. I don't mind that. Because you can see it coming. You're putting your workers on the track, and you can kind of, okay, if this guy's going to build, he's got a bunch of supplies, you know, hopefully he gets back. And then even if it does trigger the end of the game, everyone gets another turn yet. So I don't, I don't see that as an issue. It had a... It kind of has a sweet spot. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. Is it my top worker placement game? Stick around. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> I would have to give it uh, probably a 7.5. I think, uh, and I know the end is player-driven, and you can see it coming. It just ends too soon for me, where I feel like I wanted to do more in the game. And that, for me, is a negative this time. Some games it's a good thing, but I just... Don't feel like I accomplished enough. If the game was longer, doesn't have to be a lot would, longer. Would you like it more then? I would. If right. if it didn't end so soon for me personally, mm-hmm. I'd probably give it an eight and a half because <laughs> I really do like pretty much everything else in the game, but that. Interesting. So that wraps up our review of Architects of the West Kingdom. It is now time for our top ten worker placement games. So, Aaron. To you, what defies a worker placement game? A game where you place workers on the board and take actions based on (laughs) where you put those workers. (laughs) That's a good answer. How about you? Yeah, you you take a worker that's not on the board yet and you put them on the board. Uh, For me, I guess uh, the main mechanic had to be worker placement, but then I also did ones where you're actually competing. So I don't have any... Robinson Crusoe would have been on this list, but I didn't put it on here because you're not competing with anyone. So I did ones where you actually compete with your other players fighting over spots type of thing. Like There's that interaction, Tim, that you don't enjoy. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> one that really probably would have been number two is Mombasa that has a worker placement, but I feel like the card play and the cards taking your actions is more... Of the main mechanic. I mean, I could have put it on there. I just didn't. Is this kind of judgment call type thing? Yeah. So the main mechanic is for me. I mean, it's kind of take it or leave. What? But that's how I made my list. Okay. So why don't you start then? So my number ten is one guy in our group. It's probably his favorite game. That is uh, Prodigal's Club. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No, he hates it. But uh, 
I really like the... So you're basically trying to lose all your friends, all your money, as well as your standing in society and an election. I just really enjoy that. You're trying to do as bad as you can, but you got to do bad evenly. Mm -hmm. So your final score is actually the one of those three categories that you do the best in. So you lost less, if that makes sense. It's kind of confusing. But yeah. Yeah, I think it's super underrated. Mm -hmm, definitely. Like, I, I think more people need to know about this game and more people need to be talking about this game. It's, I find it so much fun. Just You're kind of... Yeah, it's one of those diamond in the rough type yeah. games that no one's talking about. You don't see anyone playing and it. That. It's funny because you, we talked about bad rule books earlier. Uh, this I sh I should have been about, one I forgot of, about this one. It, because the, you had you picked it for your for our game day. You brought it to the table, you set it up, you started fumbling through the rules. Yeah. And you were like, I, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> Let, <laughs> let's just put it up. No, 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 we need to get through this. Let's do it. I want to try it. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I had to go sit on the couch yeah. and like, just cool down. Or I don't remember what it was. Yeah, so then we finally got through it. And once it got rolling, a ton of fun. I think because the first page has the setup, because they say, oh, you can play with one category, two categories, all three categories, or five categories, adding in another game into it. And it was like all jumbled. <laughs> but the rest of the rulebook is good, but it was like mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's a good game. Um, and it's that <clears throat> underrated game so much as to even at like our local game store, Chimera. Um, it's on like their backside shelf, <laughs> like, like back in the little cap. back corner where no one goes. <laughs> you got to pull a curtain and the <laughs> yeah. guy yeah, shows it to you. <laughs> exactly. But it's a good game, and I don't know why it's back there. <laughs> it's got to be up front. Yeah. My number 10, uh, it's somewhat, maybe not underappreciated. I, I think it should be talked about more. But uh, Let's talk about it. I'm trying to. <laughs> Let's do it. I don't know what to say. Uh, but that's Village. So basically what you're doing is you're you're pulling cubes. You have action spaces on the board, so you pull a cube off, and then you're putting your worker down. So that resource cube that you get, you have to be able to pull a cube from that space to put a worker. So once you do that, you know, you're doing your actions. You're getting cattle or a plow, whatever you want to do. You can send your guy off on a trip across country or whatever. But the coolest part of this game is that every player has their own little farming board. It was action board. Not really an action board, just your little farming board. But it shows a time track on it. So every action you take takes time. Every time your token comes back around and crosses the bridge, your oldest one of your oldest generation passes away. And it's up to you which one. So if you have a bunch of ones on the board, you have to pick where they die. So if they die, they can go into the the town records. Or if that is filled, they might go into an unmarked, unmarked grave. So you're kind of scoring victory points on where your dead people are getting buried in a sense. So it's it's really cool. I really enjoy this. I think I played it a couple times, and it made my short list. I really do enjoy it, and the theme is unique different and i like that too and i liked it so much i picked up my village recently haven't played it yet but yeah it's, village is a really good game now, there's not much more that i could say about the game mm -hmm. and to be fair it, i liked it for all of us this is probably 
if not our favorite, but one of our favorite mechanics, work replacement. Yeah. A lot of good yeah. games, you yeah. know. A side note. I do still have some expansion neglect with it. Mm. I I bought one expansion for it and haven't played with it yet. Which I is bought, rare. Are you actually getting the expansion? For right. Something? It's pretty rare. <laughs> but I don't have the, the port, which is actually supposed to change up the traveling aspect quite a bit. You haven't even played with the expansion you do have, correct? No, I have not. Okay. But I have it. Yeah, that's a step. That's the first yeah, that's step. The first step to getting over that neglect. So, my number ten is a game by Gregory Oliver called Outlive <laughs> that Tim picked up last year at Origins, uh, and you're just moving around in this um, like uh, post-apocalyptic type world, and you're going to different regions <clears throat> to take different actions and. You can there's interaction with other players. Like if you go somewhere where someone is less has less strength than you, you can kind of beat them up and take their stuff. And that's essentially you're playing the game over like seven days. It's like seven rounds, and you're trying to have the best bunker and get rescued is essentially the premise of the game. And it you're upgrading your bunker throughout the game upgrading tiles in your bunker to have better actions and it's just a it's a good one yeah i only played uh the demo at origins oh i did like it i thought the guy demoing it had to describe every single piece of the game in extreme detail would get upset if i asked a question (laughs) and then we ended up playing for 10 minutes and he like packed it up on us i do want to play it i did like what i did play so that's all I can say. Yeah, I, I enjoy this one quite a bit. It's slightly different theme as a work replacement where you're trying to build your bunker up. Right. And, you know, I, I do like the kind of bullying mechanic, despite what you guys say with player interaction. <laughs> this one's not too bad because you can kind of mitigate it. You can spend your little bullet tokens, I believe, to yeah. raise your power up mm-hmm. to kind of thwart them off. So. All right, my number nine is uh, one of the first games I got when I got into the hobby, and me and my wife played this over and over and over again, and that is uh, Stone Age. Hmm. And we just loved it, kept playing it, and it's a great uh, next step into the hobby. You know, you play that intro game with someone, and then you introduce this to them. So you're basically collecting different resources, you're building huts, you're making babies, you're <laughs> farming. The baby hut. You're doing different things. You're kind of doing some set collection as well with the cards. It's a, it's a game that my dad can play with us, and he's not a gamer at all, and he's still competitive playing. It just fits that all-around range where anyone can play and kind of be competitive. Yeah, I've played it a few times. I thought it was pretty decent, I think. How does that work now? Where you, because you roll dice to get your resources or something like that. It depends. If you roll certain resources, Mm -hmm. you divide it by a different number, and then you can also mitigate the roll by spending tools to add to your roll, basically. Okay. Because I think that was the part that kind of threw me off. Because I'm not mathy. Mathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was kind of like I always have to ask questions like, well, if I roll this, what do I get? And it was kind of like, "Mm." yeah. But no, not bad. Yeah, this is a game that I would 
like to play. I haven't played this one. You still, you I haven't still played haven't played what Stone is wrong Age. With you? <sighs> I know. I, I'm a criminal. It's a good one. You'd like it. I'm sure I would. I just what I hear from everyone that has played it, it sounds like a good lighter game. Mm-hmm. My number nine. It is a game that Ryan owns. I cannot say when you picked it up, so I'm not going to go that far. But <laughs> it's it's an interesting theme where you're raising pets, and these pets are getting bigger. A little stronger, you got to feed them, you got to take care of them. Um, and your workers you're placing out, if I remember correctly, are little imps. Yep. And that's dungeon pets. So you, you start each round with a screen and you're placing out, you're kind of, you're almost pre planning your actions, right? Yeah, you kind of you group up your imps and then whoever has the biggest group goes first. Yeah, so then um, that's kind of where the worker placement is. You're placing your imps out, you're revealing your where you're placing them, and then you're sending them out, and you know maybe you're buying a new pet this round, and then you're putting them in a cage, or maybe you're upgrading the cage. I really like that aspect of as things are going, it's kind of aging. Yeah, your pet's in age, a sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and then you're trying to sell them off to these... Whatever they are, these monster things. Dungeon lords. Yeah, these dungeon lords that are coming in looking for these pets, and you're raising them up. And I, I really like that. It's pretty cool. It's way heavier than what you think when you first look at it, because <laughs> you got to like manage these pets with your cards so much, and you really got to like dig down and think about, okay, I got to give him this, give that pet that. Well, do I let this one loose or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So. Yeah, I mean, it looks so silly. You don't mm-hmm. expect it to be that in-depth yeah. of a game, but it is good. My number nine, Tim already said all about. I don't have a lot more to say about it, and that is Village. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 like, the, I like even just, you know, if you die at a certain, one of your villagers or whatever dies at a certain point, they go to this unmarked grave. Uh, that, that little twist on it was just fun for me. So I think you'd like the expansion that I do have. It's the brew house. So there's the brew house and the pub. So you can actually send one of your family members to sit in the pub. <laughs> and that's their legacy. So when they die, though, they just go right to the unmarked grave. <laughs> the village drunk? <laughs> yeah, basically. So instead of thinking he would like it, you should actually play that expansion. We should. And decide. <laughs> Maybe he should pick village with the expansion and then Stone Age. Mm. For his next picks. No, 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 no. no he's, got, he's got his abstracts. <laughs> I got, I got, oh, I got my right. picks. <laughs> you guys in for a long 10-minute game? Boy, have I got one for you. <laughs> if it's a good long 10-minute game. <laughs> All right, my number eight is... Uh, now, Aaron, you hear the first half of this, don't panic. <laughs> All right. It is Manhattan Project mm. Energy Empire. Gotcha. Now, I do like Manhattan Project, but I like Energy Empire better. The theme is pretty cool. You're basically pollution, anti-pollution. You're trying not to pollute too much. Um, you're running your own empire, conserve energy, things like that. I don't know. I just really like I like the little pieces. You got the I-beams. Um, you got the... Plastic. Yeah, just all the... Uh, oh, yeah, the components are really cool. Yeah. But uh, it was one of those games <clears throat> I liked a lot more than I thought it would after I played it, I guess. So... Me too. 
<laughs> Especially going from the regular the Manhattan one, yeah. Project, which I just despise. What? Why? That's a good game. <laughs> well, that's your opinion. <laughs> so that's my number eight. Yeah, it's a good pick. I, I, I enjoy this game quite a bit. Same. And I was very surprised. My number eight. It, um, it also has kind of a, a different theme for worker placement, where you are a alchemist. And you're uh, you're trying to brew up different um, different recipes of whatever you want to call them. You're brewing stuff, so you're different potions. Different, yeah, different potions. So you're we'll call them potions. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to brew your potions, and you're kind of uh, doing a little deduction where you're, you're placing your worker out, and you know maybe you're going to test. A potion, a couple of combinations on yourself, or maybe you're going to test it on a student, or whatever the case is, and then you're also trying to get these ingredients. So I really like that how it kind of works together. But then also you have the deduction portion where you have this big player screen in front of you that holds all these tokens. So it shows which ingredients you've mixed together and what they actually make. So you're trying to kind of weed down and figure out what all of these tokens represent and stand for so i really like it i think it's pretty cool yeah definitely there's not a lot i'm gonna say about this game right now i think you'll have multiple opportunities <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> so my number eight is a game by cge uh in which you use an app and every game is generated a little differently to keep the replayability going. And that would be Alchemists. <laughs> it's just, uh, I really like the artwork. The worker placement aspect is interesting. How the turn order is like reversed when you're doing your actions. Yeah, it's whosoever. So you have this, basically, when you wake up, you kind of get your resources as opposed to that. And then if you wake up earlier, you get less, but you get to take your actions earlier. Right. It's kind of cool. How they... And it's just got a lot of funny things to me, too. Like you said, testing out on the student. But then if you mess up, you got to start paying them. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny because someone might go before you and test on a student. But if they mess up and poison them... Then everyone else is paying that round. Yeah, that yep. student got a little smarter. <laughs> yeah. yep. He's like, I'm not doing this for free anymore. Yeah. Yep. Money. <laughs> That's my number eight, Alchemists. Yeah, good game. Yeah. <laughs> don't, um, don't let us down now. <laughs> my number seven is probably going to be higher on Tim's list. Uh, that is Viticulture. Hmm. And that would be the Essential Edition with uh, Tuscany, whatever. Um, I really like this game. I like... Uh, you kind of do each of the steps for your vineyard, and then you can also play those visitor cards. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great game, and it plays good at two through six, each player count. Yeah, it's pretty good. I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoyed the theme in this game, winemaking. It doesn't sound like something a lot of people would be really into. I think that's discussed quite a bit, is, you know, like, I wasn't expecting this to be good, because I don't care about winemaking one bit. But, I brew mead, and stuff like that, so I think it's actually really cool. I would definitely need to play it more, though. 
does it just give you more of an excuse to drink more wine? Mm. Is that why you like it or not? Well, <laughs> well I don't typically <laughs> drink a lot of wine on game days. <laughs> but maybe if we play that, I'll have a glass. <laughs> I've got a bunch of it. <laughs> My number seven. It's a game that uh, might make Aaron sweat a little bit. <laughs> He's getting sweaty. He's getting sweaty. Um, but just the first part of it. It is the Manhattan Project Energy Empire. Okay. So you picked the right one, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we talked about a little bit before where you're trying to build your engine up and getting, you know, do you want to go hard for coal and pollute a bunch of your spaces? I kind of like how that mechanic's in there. Or you can try to go completely clean energy, kind of a balancing act back and forth. I do like this a lot more than regular Manhattan Project, which can be up and down. This energy empire, I've always had a good time playing. So my number seven is another game about beverages. Not wine, but beer. And that is Brew Crafters, Greater Than Games. Uh, Dice Hate Me games as well. It's just uh, a really... It's really, you're building your own brewery, essentially, with different tiles that you're upgrading. You're putting your workers out to collect the different ingredients, you know, hops and malt and what have you, yeast. And through the game, you're upgrading to make all these things better for you. You can hire on uh, outside help. And so you're working to build these different recipes that are laid out in the board uh, early in the game, at the beginning of the game. And you want to be, like, the first person to brew these different types of beers. And you get a little achievement, essentially, for that, which scores you more points. And I just, I really like the theme, because, again, into brewing and whatnot. So that pulls me right in. Yeah, it's a, it's a good game. I think my main complaint would be, I think the player boards and the beer tokens look good. I think your little lab board and the main board kind of looks like a prototype. And then... The player colors. I mean, what is there? Like, yeah. a, there's a white, brown, and there's then like wood. A wood, wood. wood. It's like a wood block. You like? Yeah. What is real. that? Yeah. That <laughs> that could have been done better. I don't know if I'd say it is prototype ish. I like the player boards. You know, the putting the um, the workers on, or not the workers, but actually building your own brewery. Yeah. Um, kind of piecing that together. I like that. Um, but the one thing I, that I agree with you on is the actual board itself, because there's like spots if you don't use certain actions to put out there, there's just like a big open green spot on the board. It's like it just it looks weird. That's fair. But but the game's good. The game's good. Yeah, I like the you know brewing, pushing down the assembly line, that kind of aspect. Yeah, and you don't score until you actually like deliver on the beer kind of thing. Uh, my number six is a game that you guys, I don't think, are very fond of. Um, I picked it up at Origins a few years ago, and that is The Voyages of Marco Polo. Um, it's a dice work replacement. I really enjoy the game. I played it a lot. It's one of those games where there's so little time, but it's that good feel of not having enough time to do everything that you want to do. I like 
traveling a lot in the game, it's very, very hard to do. But if you can do it and do it well, you're going to do better than someone who takes the easier path of just fulfilling contracts and that's all you really do throughout the game. But each player gets a their own character and they have a very strong, powerful ability that you feel like breaks the game, but everyone has that. That is my number six. I agree with you that I don't enjoy this game. <laughs> I think so, I, so you're right. I think I've only played it the one time and I feel I did like just awful at it. <laughs> like everyone else is scoring like 50, I don't even know. And I got like 12 points at the end of the game. <laughs> so I would try it again. I don't remember really if why I liked it or didn't like it other than just I did that bad. So my biggest complaint, because I think I played it two or three times now. So the first time I played it, because I found that traveling was so expensive, so I didn't travel. But I almost felt like it was a competitive just sitting in a few spots, just doing actions over and over again. It just kind of... I think one of them you had the guy, too, that you got goods when people would go to the main market. or Yeah, so I was pretty much the entire game I never moved. I just sat in a few spots, and it was like... Yeah, when I play, I definitely I try to pick a character or I try to travel because that makes it a lot more fun for me, mm-hmm. where if I was doing that, I wouldn't have as much fun either. Yeah. I think the second time, I, I think I tried to avoid that, but I, I still didn't... Yeah. It didn't click for me. So my number six, I'd be kind of surprised if it's not on probably both your lists. Call to Adventure? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that high on my list yet. <laughs> Is that even worth replacement, Aaron? Or no? Not at all. <laughs> I don't know if no. you created a variant. Yeah, he's going to make that variant. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> this game, you're uh, you're kind of praying to different gods. I'm not sure how else I'm going to go about this, but uh, it's Zulkin. Is that mm. how you pronounce it? The yep. Mayan calendar? So, I like how you place your workers out, and then after everyone... How does that work? Everyone places, and then the gear turns... If, uh, on your turn, you either place workers or you pick up workers, right. and then the gear t- will move. So after everyone does one action, right? Then it turn- yeah. Okay. So the gear turns. So as it goes around, your action. the longer you keep people on, the better it's going to be. So when you pull them out, that's the action you get, and that's I, I really like that. You get better rewards. <laughs> yeah, you get better rewards. Um, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good game. Yeah, that's a game where patience is a virtue, you know, mm-hmm. like you were saying, putting that worker on, letting it, but you're out that worker for a while. Yeah, just you know, letting them ride. Yeah, I might be talking about that pretty quick, so. Yeah. <laughs> My number six <laughs> is a game by Eagle Griffin Games, and Ryan's looking like he knows what it is, and that is Empire's Age of Discovery. It's got all different types of workers, which I really like. You know, depending on where you put them, they're more effective. Uh, And certain actions require certain types of workers. And you're going out on the board. You're settling the Americas, essentially. And I like the collection of resources in the game. uh, But specifically the worker placement aspect. Like, even just putting your little dudes out there. Like, having the different actions that they can take. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't. I don't think I've ever 
initiated a war, <laughs> but I've fought battles, and even that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like when the new buildings come out each round, everyone's basically scrambling to read what they all do. Like, oh, I want that one, but oh, do I want to get more colonists or people out in the world to get area control of certain spots? Right, and those buildings can be so powerful. Yeah. All right, my number five is a game Tim just talked about, and that is Zulkin, the Mayan calendar. <laughs> and, yeah, you, you're moving up on these... Uh, Temple tracks, you're placing crystals out to score points, you're gaining technology to get more resources when you pull your workers off. It's a game all about timing, and you really got to think and plan, and when you time stuff right, where you're pulling all your workers off at the same time, doing a super good actions, it really feels satisfying. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> My number five... It is a game that was mentioned earlier in the episode, Architects of the West Kingdom. Really? I thought this would be higher for both of you guys, actually. Really? I don't think we will, but I think we're going to be real close to having like a number one crossover. I don't think it Not will me. be. No, I... <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Manhattan Project? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the base one, the first one. <laughs> so it's a game that we covered earlier. In the episode. Yeah, in the episode. And that's uh, Architects of the West Kingdom. So I don't really have much more to say about it. Solid game. Can't wait to play it again. So, uh, so my number five uh, we have also covered in this episode, and that is Anachrony. I won't go too much into it because you could just rewind and listen to it again if you want. <laughs> it's a great pick, though. It is a good one. So in that game, you can go back in time. You can go back in time. You can go back in time in this episode and listen to his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anywho. Sorry. Ryan? <laughs> uh, my number four. Aaron, you just talked about it. And Tim, I think you'll be talking about it soon. And that is Empire's Age of Discovery. Kind of covered the game already, but I like that there's different workers. I always like worker placement games where there's different workers, like different types of workers, and they do different things. I think more need to utilize that. But yeah. Yeah, it's a decent game. My number four, it was mentioned earlier on Brian's list. Yeah, it's a game where you're just trying to lose points evenly across the board, and that's Prodigal's Club. We mentioned it earlier so i'm not going to go too deep into it but I, I really like the tracks you have to evenly work your way down to have a lower score at the end because the lower score will win it for you so the, yeah the lowest high score yeah it's <laughs> it's kind of a weird concept when you're yeah when you're trying to it's like an oxymoron right so but yeah that's prodigal's club well my number four is uh I believe both of you mentioned it already, and that is Zulkin, the Mayan calendar. It's been a little while since I played it, but the times I have played it have really stuck for me. I really like the uh, whole gear turning as the game progresses and how, you know, corn gets harder to get. You have to, like, burn... It's Sometimes a, you have to burn the forest. Burn the forest, the yeah. exactly. There's just, just a lot. pleases the gods. Yes. <laughs> and that, all, that whole thing is... That whole mechanism of the gears is nothing I've ever seen before. That's it, It's really interesting. And it looks really cool. Yeah, on the table too. definitely. Uh, my number three, 
Aaron mentioned, and we talked earlier in the episode, and that's Anachrony, and it's a great game, and it's gotten a lot <laughs> better for me <laughs> the more I've played it. So. so my number three, it has been mentioned twice already. Yeah, and you guys called me on it. It's uh, Empire's Age of Discovery. Um, just like you guys, I, I really like the different workers, how they can... Depending on where you put them, they'll give you different bonuses. Um, I also it mixes the area control really well, where you might send one of your builders out, and that gives you like a multiplier. But if somebody else takes over that area, it gives them the bonus over you. So it's it's kind of a cool. You got to kind of watch it. You know, if you put those guys out, you kind of kind of protect them. I have had a few games where I've been attacked violently for no reason over and over again just because someone didn't want me in a region. Mm-hmm. So, and he knew that you were uh, you were not like a threat. The scoring at the end, like right, like you were hidden in disguise and you're going to jump up at the. You were clearly doing poorly, and he made you do worse. Right. So. But that's not a fault of the game. That's no, no, it's not a fault of the game. It's fault of I guess of the players of the game, that that could happen. But that's that's really rare, and I I wouldn't go off of that at all. So my number three is the Manhattan Project. Yes, Energy Empire. <laughs> and now going into this game, when Ryan pulled it out, yeah, he's like, <laughs> well, and he's just like, now I know you didn't like the other one. But just give it a try. <laughs> this one is different in a lot of ways. I'm like, well, it should, hopefully it's different in most always. <laughs> because that other one hopefully it's good. is not good. <laughs> but Manhattan Project Energy Empire, I think that's Minion Games. I, I really actually enjoy this game a lot. Uh, I don't think it gets to the table as often as it should. But just all the different actions and you know your what's the action where you get energy i don't know well it's just actually when you uh basically pass yeah collect all your workers when you roll your dice to see how much energy you get and how much you pollute right you pollute and stuff. yeah i really like that pollution uh grid i'd almost call it you yeah know? and you have the different ways to pollute it and there's just a lot going on that's a, a blast now, believe it or not, we have played a lot of worker placement games. There's just <laughs> a lot of them that we agree on. Yeah. So, we got a lot of crossover here. But my number two is Alchemist. <laughs> and this is a really, really, really good game for me. I'm excited to try the ex- more of the expansion material once I've played the game a few more times. My number two... It's been mentioned for sure once. I don't think you mentioned it yet, but I'm sure you will if you haven't. Uh, And that's Viticulture. Yeah, you did mention it, didn't you? Yep. After I said it. uh, So my number two is Viticulture. I love how you start from almost nothing. You don't have much. So you're planting your fields. Once you get your fields planted, you're taking your grapes, putting them in your crush pad. You're aging those. And then you can move them into your cellar. You can extend your cellar and all this stuff's going on. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I really enjoy that kind of build up to it. You're kind of going in the direction you want. 
So my number two, I think, is going to be jumping the gun on these other guys' number ones. Yeah. So and my number two is Dominant Species, GMT. Uh, it's like we've said before, that good burn after you play this epic of a game. <laughs> it's so long, but it feels good playing it. And it's one of the games that I actually enjoy area control in. Because there's so many different aspects to it. You know, like, you start glaciating, you can actually score a lot of points on that, not just basic area control. So that's really cool for me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I think maybe we just hop right into Ryan's number one. <laughs> that's uh, Diamond Species. Um, I'm excited to try out Marine. That's uh, plays up to four players. That's I don't know if that comes out next year. I'm not exactly sure. But, uh, yeah, the regular game is pretty awesome. I remember the, talked about it before, but the first time we played it, my mind was blown. And the whole time I'm playing, I'm like, this is incredible. This is awesome. Um, the guy destroyed us. Yeah, because he knew what was going on. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. And I've played three, four, five, and six, and I, I like it. Each player count. Yeah, it's a brain burner. Just the amount of thinking you have to do when you're placing your action pawns on what you want to do to help yourself, but also mitigate stuff that could happen to you. But then when it's your turn again, it's like, i got to rethink everything. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's just... Really cool. Yeah, so my number one, <laughs> I'm going to shake things up for you guys, and that is Dominant Species. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Aaron, you mentioned it. It's it's the good burn, the good hurt. Uh, you know, you get, it's, it's a long game, but when you get done, it's like, especially if you do well, <laughs> it feels real good. When you win <laughs> that game... You it, feel like a champion. Yeah. <laughs> when you lose that game horribly, you feel it. You know you did bad. So, um, I've been on one side of that spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> haven't you won yet? I don't think that's so. That's why it's not his mm -hmm. number one. That's why it's oh, not number that's one. Right. I haven't won. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoy it. Um, I do have to say, though, that I think this is case in point that I do enjoy games with player interaction. I think so. you enjoy area control interaction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is though. It's like I, I know it is. I know it is. <laughs> I just I was hoping you weren't going to catch it. <laughs> but yeah, it it blends worker placement and that area control really well. So even if you are you know getting attacked, you're getting you know the spiders, the arachnids can eat every round or kill off someone so if you're constantly getting wiped out you can still kind of you can still recover from it yeah and it's it's not a thematic game but the actions you take make sense like thematically i don't know it's kind mm -hmm. of weird mm -hmm. all right so my number one is a game by garfield and renegade game studio we just talked about it in this episode quite a bit and that is Architects of the West Kingdom. And you've won that one. Yeah, I was going to say, is that... It has nothing to do with the fact that I've won most of the times I've played. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with that, with that it's my game. No. <laughs> not Those one have bit. no bearing on any of it. But that aside... And it's not nothing to do with it's one of your games that 
everyone seems to like as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with that. It as that aside, it toes that line of like being it is quick enough that you can get it out pretty often and with people who have played a few games. Mm-hmm. And so it it's just a really nice game. Nice looking, nice all everything about it I really enjoy. I, I just like though that you own it. You've won almost every play we've had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't if you had not won a game of this yet, what number would it be? Actually. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if I hadn't won a single game. I thought he was gonna take it as a serious question. <laughs> it'd probably be one or two. Okay. Might have made it to two. If maybe if I had one dominant species, that would have been number one. Yeah, because when you win that, well, yeah, I, I can. But yeah, yeah, I usually do middle of the road in dominant now, so it 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 hurts. It feels I just want to do as good as I can do. I don't expect to beat everyone. But when you do get that first win, it's gonna feel. Oh, I can't good. wait. <laughs> I gotta throw this out there though. I had two games back to back where I had a dual win. Oh, yeah. Where I tied your brother. Yeah. Twice, back to back. And then the tiebreaker is food chain order. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think you guys flipped Yeah, off. I think he won the first one. I won the air yeah. work. Like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> yeah. So that wraps up our top 10 worker placement games. So before we scoot out of here, do any of you uh, have anything you want to mention? So what is something you would like to, I don't know, do differently or try out? Like, what's a game outside of your comfort zone you'd like to try? Or um, is there certain games in yours or someone else's collection that you'd like to play? Uh, the only thing that comes to mind right away is maybe I want to try some more abstracts to see if I can find one I, I like. <laughs> I got you hooked up. Aaron, yeah, Aaron's got your... He's got what you need. Well, uh, I got the good ones. You got the good ones? <laughs> it's not out of my comfort zone. There are a lot of abstracts I would like to try that oh, I haven't. Geez. Specifically in the gift series, but you can't get them because they're out of print. Or you could buy them for like $120 and there's just no way it's worth that. Or there's a lot of abstracts from like Germany that are too expensive for me to buy for an abstract game, mm-hmm. like Triangoli or um, <clears throat> in the Gift series Yinch. I really want to try that one. Looks good, but you just can't find it. I can't think of anything really outside of that. So when we have game days, it was typically six, seven, or eight people there around that, and. A lot of times lately we have to split the group. Now, when we do we pick games, we've always done it a little differently. Recently, we basically split. Like, two people will be picking the games for that night, and then the next game night, two more people will pick. How do you decide what games you're picking? Really, it's just whatever I'm feeling. You know, there's a lot of times where I would pick a game, and then the next month and a half later i picked that game again so because I, I i do like to try to get games out multiple times before i especially the first yeah especially after the first time playing it so 
you know, I, I try to do that. Um, what about like a new game? Do you try to always get a new game in if you have it, or it's kind of a mix? What did I? Well, I picked. Obviously, it depends how many games I can pick. Mm-hmm. So I think the last pick day I had um, Australia was the new game for me that I got, and then I think the other games I picked and played were like Ghost Stories. Mm-hmm. Brought an older one out. And then uh, also Cthulhu Wars. Mm-hmm. So something that I have, I've been wanting to play it. So I, I not not saying I haven't played it before, but something to get back out. So it's kind of I try to do a mix. For me, it's typically abstracts. <laughs> Always abstracts. That's all I pick ever. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll get new games and whatnot that I don't always have an opportunity to play and people aren't picking them in the game group because well they've either never played them or they're just okay for them but like i've got a couple of new games for me like azul the stained glass of sintra or um reef for instance just throws <clears throat> abstracts out there right away and takaido <laughs> <laughs> that we don't normally get to play that i would like to play and mm-hmm. Um, being that we're splitting, I feel like if, you know, the other guy picks a big, long three-hour game, I could probably get Reef and Stained Glass in, and maybe as well as Takedo all in that one. Yeah. So it, it feels good to play more games for me. But otherwise, regularly, it's just games that I really enjoy or games that I know aren't going to get picked all that often. often. Okay. You can't ask us questions and not answer <laughs> Well, I don't have answers. I would just... <laughs> Come on, let's hear them. Step out of your comfort zone. So I guess something I'd like to try, I'd like to play a Gaia Project again mm-hmm. with the rules down and with more than two. I want to play Through the Ages in physical form more. Um, I really like that game a lot. It's really good. Triumph and Tragedy. I've played it a couple times. I'd like to play that more. I'd like to try Churchill. Yep. I am played one coin game series. Wasn't real big on it. I'd like to try a different one and try that once just to know if it's for me or not. I know Root has been compared to that. That might be my thing because it's not as heavy as those or the theme is just cool artwork and it looks a lot better so i might like it more for that reason yeah it could have been the theme that might have thrown off so we played a distant plane mm-hmm. which is the insurgency in afghanistan so the other ones i have i'm more interested in is the uh the revolutionary war version that one and then the vietnam version and the game there's a couple games i've always wanted to uh get a vital asserta game I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the gallerist looks the most interesting to me. You're running your own art gallery. I know that doesn't sound that fun, but it just looks cool, and he makes heavier games, and it's a worker placement game, so I think it's something I would like. It's just a matter of pulling the trigger and getting the game. And the same goes for Trickerion, which you're it made by Mind Clash games, and that's a heavier game. And you're illusionists in a city performing magic tricks and things of that nature. Those are two games I really want to get and try or try out. So I talked to my fiance and asked her if she wanted to do this uh, 10 by 10 challenge. And so I mentioned it to Ryan and 
Tim as well here, see if they want to get in on that. And they're all complaining that a lot of my games don't take very long. So, but I, only I, five of them are abstracts. Only five. <laughs> so there should be some base rules. First off, you can't pick Call to Adventure a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even have it. <laughs> it's not on the boat yet. <laughs> I, I do think we should have a cap on how many smaller abstract games you can like, put on the list. Typically, the game should be an hour longer. You can have some of those shorter ones. It's fine. Yeah. But those are the games that we enjoy playing together. So you should have like a 15 by 15 or 20 by 20 then. Well, I'm going to need more games. Either that or just (laughs) make it so it's for you. So even if you play with your fiancé, you can add it. But then if you play with us... Well, that's where I had the the thought of if we had a a Duo Wing Games 10 by 10 challenge... Would we all have the same game? It's so hard. No, no, no. Okay. Just amongst us. Okay, okay. you do it. Yeah. Now, the problem I have is, okay, so I did this a couple years ago, and I did it, but I didn't pick the games ahead of time. you got to pick them ahead of time. See, that's the problem I have is, if I pick these games ahead of time, I might not like some of these games after I play them like uh, five, six times. You either live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's your... (laughs) Well, I don't have or you might to, get a new game that you want to play a bunch. Yeah, or I don't like, know. Like what Call to Adventure gonna, or something. Yeah, I don't know what game Alexander Pfister is going to come out with that's heavier, and I'm going to want to play that ten times that year yet. Okay. You, so, you, you gotta, you have to make your list ahead of time. You can't just play a ton of games and at the end of the year, oh look. So I, what I if I'm not having fun playing this game and I have to just Then you don't you don't beat the challenge. Then, then you fail. Fine. And then we just call you out <laughs> on the shows. Okay. It'll make fun of you. But I, I, I do think you gotta be able to you gotta compile your list ahead of time. Yeah. So and I think we need to agree So that ties into my question of what do I pick for game day? I'm just picking <laughs> games on my ten by ten list. <laughs> Okay. Let's <laughs> make my way into that. I see, we went, I see where we went there. <laughs> my name's Ryan. <laughs> so what if one of my games can only take five minutes? Maybe ten. That just... It seems... It seems cheap. Well, it's, it's, I'm gonna... He cheat, he's cheap. I'm gonna go cheap, too, and I'm just gonna play a bunch of games or whatever. Ten games I played ten times, that's my list. You gotta tell us... Like next episode, you got to bring your ten by ten list. What if I don't even want to do this? Well, then don't. <laughs> no, I think at this point we dedicated a discussion to it. We have to do it. I'm just... discussing the fact that I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to now, Tim. You want to do it? I'll do it as long as Ryan does it. I'll let you guys know next episode. Okay. In our ending thoughts. All right. So stay tuned. (laughs) He's going to try to weasel off. For that cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah, that'll really keep him coming back. (laughs) You're jiving me because the longest game on my list is Clank in Space. List your game. Did you list them? List them? All right. Yeah, list your games here. So we got Clank in Space. Okay, that's fine. We got Architects of the West Kingdom. That's a good one. Got uh, Gipf. Okay, so a couple abstracts, fine. So that's abstract one. So what's the limit, though? How many can you have? Like two, maybe three? Two, three. And we got Tides of Madness. <laughs> okay, that game is like three minutes. Yeah. So that's basically an abstract. It's not an abstract. 
No, but it's... Well, <laughs> like a simple card laying game. I could play solitary <laughs> ten times and do it. That'd be pretty boring. Right. So, <laughs> next one. Uh, we got Sagrada. Okay, so Dice placement. It's a half hour. Uh-huh. Two uh, players, that's, yeah, 20 minutes. We got Hive with all three expansions. Oh, oh yes, yes. Includes the cockroach, <laughs> the bumblebee... <laughs> Uh, we got a dung beetle. Czar. That is a good game. Which is a great game. Very quick, though. Uh, we got Pyramids. It's a quick game. Under an hour. Photosynthesis. Yeah, it's a, that, that one. Okay, so is there any more? And Takedo, if I didn't say that already. Okay. You, know, you have nothing like that would take over an hour and a half on there. If everyone knows how to play the game yeah, at the full player count. Clank in space could take over an hour and a half. Yeah, it could. Could. With so, four players. So we did have... It's kind of relates. So you had posted that picture on Instagram of your shelf of shame. Uh-huh. And the best comment on there was, well, good news is... You can knock that out in an evening. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I feel about your 10 by 10 I can't There's play a hundred so, games. <laughs> but you could. That's the thing. Like They're so short, you could just sit down and just bust out a hundred games. Well, you got to get some meat on that. That just raises the stakes for you. Yeah, if, you want, <laughs> if you want me to compete in this, you're going to have to step your game up. Maybe do a 15 by 10. And then the next five aren't, <laughs> like... Next five aren't, I can do more like abstracts. You, you and I do a real 10 by 10, he does, like, a 15 by 10. Yeah. I could do Reef and Azul. He just keeps Azul piling abstracts, though, that's not fair. See, Tony I wouldn't want, yeah, want to do his list, because I wouldn't enjoy most of those games. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to play his list. <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> it's a good thing that we enjoy the games. <laughs> She she helped me compile the list actually, a couple of suggestions, She's pyramids and photosynthesis. Helping to cheat. Those are two good games. Yeah, they're games she enjoys playing too. Just not very long. Okay, so the one game I want to talk about before we uh, before we get out of here is um, it's one I just recently picked up. So it's kind of funny. My wife and I went to a local game store, and we pulled a. Uh, Keyforge, they had a demo copy of it. So we sat down, read the basic rules, and in there it had the two basic decks. So we shuffled up, we played it. I remember thinking to myself, like, eh, I think it's it's pretty interesting. It, I like how it gives you some interesting options where at the start of your turn you have to call out which house you're going to activate. So you have three houses in your deck. Depending on what house you activate, those are the cards you can play, those are the cards you can attack with, and this and that. So I remember thinking, like, oh, it's pretty interesting. I'd like to try it again before I get into it. And when we got done, my wife was like, hey, do you think they have a copy here? So she went and asked, and sure enough, they just received a fresh shipment in. So they cracked the box open. And we ended up getting the starter set and an extra booster, which comes with a deck pre-made and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're now owners of uh, Keyforge. We haven't played with the new stuff yet, but I'm excited to kind of see how it progresses. And now the the different decks, they'll add a little more complexity, so maybe that'll help it too. So, we'll see. I'll let you know. All right. Cool. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening. Next week on Table Talk, we discuss our shelf of shame. We review Blackout Hong Kong and Altiplano. And we go over our top 10 cooperative games. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dual Win Games. If you have any questions for the show or any ideas for Table Talk, leave a comment or email us dualwingames at gmail.com.